Peace out. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye, everybody. Be safe. <laughs> it's kind of partially your fault, Terry. I mean, this is... You suck, Matt. <laughs> Clip that off. <laughs> this segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Ram Trucks. Guts, glory, Ram. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode number 160 Ticks. <laughs> I'm Tick Chelsvik. <laughs> I'm Matt Drury, and we got Terry Drury on today. Two Drury's, one Chelsvik, and we're talking about parasites. And I got to see you do the math. <laughs> <laughs> that was okay. I'll give you an applause. Yeah, I'm a winner. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. I'll give it to you. <sighs> Thanks. Who's the parasite, Terry or myself? Oh, no, I was going to say that I was because oh, okay. I'm the odd man out. Yeah, true. Latched on. We're talking ticks. They're nasty buggers. Ticks. T-I-C-K. <laughs> no soundboard? I thought, uh, I thought it was coming. I no. can't read. <laughs> That's Mark, by the way, if you're yeah. wondering. Um, so we're talking ticks today. We've got Old Man Winner uh, on board with us who has personal experience. But before we hop in, I'm just kind of curious where you guys are at with your season prep and what's happening. Uh, we'll start with Terry because I'm behind. <laughs> Terry, where are you at? You know, we uh, we are in pretty doggone good shape this year for the shape we're in. In all reality, we got some rains that were timely and, and some pretty decent amounts, which typically by now we're just begging for a shower. And that still is probably yet to come. But for the most part, our beans, our corn all looks good. You know, we've uh, we've got our biologic products on order waiting for those to arrive and, and we'll be planting those here Usually around the first to the fifteenth of August, depending on the uh, the weather forecast. But we're we're in better shape this year than we have been. And for those that have kind of been following along, you know, we got hit with EHD so severely mm-hmm. last year. And and there's a version of blue tongue as well that that uh, one of Dr. Grant Woods seemed to diagnose us uh, in that area. That's what he thought it was. But with that being said, our numbers are down. So, you know, if your herd density is down, then obviously, you know, there's less mouths at the table. So our crops are doing a little bit better. They're just now really starting to to uh, tear up the beans pretty good. With that said, we have put up and installed starting last year. We did it again this year, but we put up miles and miles and miles of electric fence. So (laughs) trying to keep them out of the soybeans so that we have a little bit of something uh, remaining come late season. And uh, when we pull them down, boy, it just doesn't take them long and they go through it pretty quickly. So so we're doing everything we can to try and keep the deer there. We've got some pictures, you know, the reconnex pictures are coming back pretty good. Uh, I thought with the wet spring, we would have had a, a little bit better jump in the antler growth, but we didn't get what we were expecting. So with that being said, it looks just like it does every other year. There's there's. Uh, fewer numbers, which is the other reason I thought the antler development would be a little bit better, uh, less herd stress, but that's not the case either. So uh, overall, it looks pretty good. I'm I'm happy with it. I wish we had some bigger deer, but it is what it is. You're a product of your own environment. You're only as good as your spot. 
You know, did you see in DeerCast where Aaron Bennett and Cody West had put up that the bars of soap and then yeah. now they're putting Irish, Irish spring springs. in their, what they're spraying their yeah. crops with Brilliant. to keep the deer the liquid. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I've never heard of that before. Forrest and I just talked about that yesterday, that, that liquid. I, I kind of like that idea. Just, I'd be curious to try it. I, and the way Aaron talks, a lot of the guys at Whitetail Properties are, are using it. So from what I gather, I, I hear they've had pretty good results with it. But I would like to try that liquid form where we could mix it in with our spray. Get that know? get that in your fire truck spray. <laughs> You'd need a lot of Irish spring. <laughs> well, if you just really go around the edges, you know, around the border and uh, and hit it, I think it would work. You know, we got the sprayer, little 60-gallon sprayer set up on our Can-Am on yeah. the back. And it would be pretty easy to to encapsulate all your food plots with it. But I, I just want to do it just for a trial and error and see how it works more than anything. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was not in favor of buying 5,000 bars of our spring soap and hanging them on a Walmart <laughs> shopping cart filled up. Give me a heads up before you do it. I'm going to buy a little stock in Irish Spring. <laughs> right. yeah. A little bump in the yeah. Midwest here. <laughs> I love the smell of Irish Spring soap. Oh. I love it. I, I, we had one when I was a kid. Oh, he's so handsome. Look. I know. <laughs> I just bar soap in general. I don't even know if people use bar soap anymore. Gross. No. <laughs> it's, it's like, how can something that's supposed to make you clean be dirty at the same time? Well, think about the last place you used it. And then the first place you're going to use it next time. That's all I need to know about a bar of soap. <laughs> so, Heck yeah. So, you know, on the lease, we are... I. I frankly haven't had a chance to go hardly at all this year. Appreciate your and frankness. Yes. But Scott has gone several times on my behalf. So mm-hmm. I think he's in decent shape uh, as far as trimming lanes and kind of getting ready in that regard. But I know that uh, we got... So last year, we planted last bite on a couple of our food plots. And then this February, we came in and frost-seeded... Uh, non-typical clover and it wasn't looking very good at all. I thought we were going to have to replant all of our food plots and we mowed it and all that stuff kind of getting ready. We mowed it in anticipation of then spraying it and killing it. And uh, we kind of just got lucky. We mowed it and some timely rains. And last time Scott went up, he said, man, it looks, it looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Lush. So uh, we're, we're sitting in good shape on those couple of food plots. And so really all we need to do is replant one main, our big staging plot Mm -hmm. and radishes and then we'll be good to go. Um, Cameras out? No, I'm. I purposely wanted to wait this year. So the last couple of years, I feel like I waited long enough and waited till after Fourth of July. But you know, you get. I have. I can put out a supplement in my mm-hmm. county, so I put out a ton of analogics during this period for pictures and all that other yeah. stuff. And there's just so many photos. I have less and less and less time. And that is a very time consuming process sure. of looking through all those photos. And they basically all kind of look the same. So this year I kind of promised myself not to put them out until, you know, later in July. And mm-hmm. so either at the end of this week or early next week, we'll, we'll go up and replenish the analogics and put out our cameras. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of wait as long as I could this year. It's killing me, but I, you know, you, it, you're going to have what you're going to have. Yeah. are going to no be doubt. there in August if they're in the mm-hmm. there in July. So I figured what the hell just stay out this time. So how about you? I saw you were out putting out tree stands and stuff, right? <laughs> I still have the stand, the very first deer stand I bought when I was a poor 
college kid and it probably weighs 35 pounds to steal hang on. Yeah, so nice. I pulled it out of the garage because my, my goal this year is to work harder in the summertime because last year I thought I'll just, just kill it during the deer season. I'll work really hard during deer season, you know, cl- go into the woods with my climber. And I think, I think it's making too much noise. It's way too much work every, t- every time it takes me too long to get set up. And then you add on the camera gear. It's just, it's too much. So I'm taking the time this summer to preload my deer season with better stand location, hang on stand location. So I can just walk in the woods, climb up. Cause even then still setting the the camera arm up and everything that's still, yeah. you know, maybe a close to 10 minutes worth of stuff to get ready yeah. and noise. And a lot of the properties where I'm hunting are not very big. And so if you go in making a ruckus, you know, you're, you're not going to know the deer that you bump. You're just yeah. not going to see. Anything. Well, there was an article on Deercast this morning about, uh, intrusion the pressure. Yeah. yeah pressure. pressure on yeah. yeah. And so I thought, you know, very, very timely. I saw that Terry had commented on it as well. And it's, you know, one of the things that, um, the, the, article touched on was the weekends, how the, you know, the, the rider didn't see any deer on it on, you know, this place on the weekends and all the pressure that's been that way on the lease forever. And Terry mentioned it, how Sundays are the worst hunts ever mm-hmm. on his place. It's just like, we can suck because of the pressure. Yeah. You. Yeah. Especially the suburban properties that I hunt. It really does make a difference. What day of the week you're out there. And I don't think the deer have a calendar. They know, Oh, it's Tuesday. It's time to roll. It's just pressure. It's it just, it's just, they're, they're reacting to human activity. Yeah. So work harder on the front end so I can kill early. Yeah. Plus you're plan. going to have no time to hunt. <laughs> That's just typically the case. <laughs> the, that so, other factor. Get strategic with my time now. And, and yeah. I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to spend a little more time. And I've been going out in the mornings because it's just so darn hot. Like we're in the middle of a two week, 90 plus degree heat wave. That yeah. I just, you know, get out early on a Saturday morning, then be in by 11 o'clock noon and get out with the rest of your day. Yep. Makes butt sense. kicker though. Makes sense. Okay. So Terry, um, why don't you take us back? So you are, uh, you, you, I guess if you have Lyme disease, you never don't have it. Like you're a carrier, aren't you? Well, to start off, I think there's a, a, a substantial difference between Lyme's disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. And I can't give you the, the medical differences, but I, I do know there is a difference because they test you for for both and, and you can have one, but not the other. It just so happens that I've tested positive for Rocky Mountain spotted fever. And I vividly remember when I contracted it and unbeknownst to me, I didn't know what it was. I just thought I didn't feel good. And I laid on a couch for, and this was maybe 25 years ago, uh, somewhere in and around that period. You know, we've been turkey hunting all these years and have been bitten by ticks uh, umpteen times. And I'd hate to guess over the years how many times we've actually been bitten by a tick and got something. Shit, but every, I vividly remember a three week period or two week, two and a half, three weeks. I could not move. I was motionless on a couch. I hurt so bad that uh, it felt like the worst case of rheumatoid arthritis you could possibly get every joint, every bone, every muscle, everything on you hurts, you're fatigued, and you have zero, zero ability to move. So I, I, you know, kind of clawed my way through it like a, like a dumb person that I was way back then and and still today about going to a doctor uh, and getting checked out. But I've dealt with it for the last 25 years. 
And now knowing a little bit more about Lyme's disease and spotted fever and how these ticks, the illnesses that they carry, uh, you know, are just, they're just overwhelming. And so unless you're specifically tested for it, meaning you have to have a panel when you do blood work, you have to have a specific panel or specific vial to say, hey, I want to be tested for Rocky Mountain spotted fever or Lyme's disease for them to for them to actually look into it. And because of another unrelated illness, I, I asked specifically to have that done and got the blood work drawn. And they said, well, yeah, you test positive for Rocky Mountain spotted fever. And that was just within the last two years. I didn't know it. So I lived with it for all those years and uh, finally, finally found out about it. And then now when you uh, go and, and get blood work done, I'm specifically asked. And so does our physician says, hey, let's do a panel and uh, see what what things look like. But they there is a, a determination or, or a difference between Lyme's disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Yeah, and, and and thanks for making that distinction. And I did some because I some some for some reason I had in my head that you had Lyme disease. And I think most people just kind of lump tick-borne illnesses into one category, but they very they really are very different. I mean, the CDC has a list of at least 16 different tick-borne illnesses that you can contract here in the United States, all with way different uh they present differently, they have different uh they have different types of symptoms. And they're treated differently too. Yeah. It's not all one. It's kind of the same thing with CWD and EHD. Well, they're both acronyms. And so people just kind of lump them in together. Two very different diseases. Yeah. So it's, it is truly, it's pure hell when you, when you got it. And, and I know now if I get bit by a tick and he's stuck in there for longer than 24 to 48 hours, I have to get on a, uh, an antibiotic because I can immediately start feeling every joint, every muscle, every, it gets to the point where it hurts to pick up a pencil or hurts to pick up a feather or a book. I mean, it's, it's that bad. So once you've got it, then you kind of know I was slow to react this year. I pulled five ticks off the, just at the tail end of Turkey season there. And I didn't, I didn't go as soon as I should have and didn't get the antibiotic and, and get started on that regimen as soon as I should have. And I was I was 21 full days of antibiotic and it didn't start having a an effect until about day 23 or 24 to where it started helping me. So anyone that has, you know, what feels like crippling arthritis uh, might be wise to have have blood work done and specifically look for either Lyme's Lyme's disease and or Rocky Mountain spotted fever. We had a we have a buddy, Mark and I, a gentleman by the name of Joe Sexauer who was a classmate of mine in high school. And he always says that those old timers, the old farmers and, and log, loggers and all those old guys that worked outside, construction workers for many, many years that thought they had arthritis or bursitis, you know, just dealt with it and left and uh, lived with the pain. Mm -hmm. He said so many of those guys more than likely had Lyme's disease and didn't know it or spotted fever and didn't know it because back then you got bit by a tick, you pulled it off and you went on. You didn't think nothing of it didn't realize that it carried so many diseases and illnesses that were that were life changing, life altering. So uh, Mark and I have never forgotten that. And Joe was the one that's, that made that uh, that comparison or that uh, that comment. And I think it's very, very true. A lot of those old timers thought they had arthritic crippling arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, when in reality it was just something they had gotten bit by a tick. You, you bring up a really good point. It's, it's kind of a, a, a general rule of thumb. But they they say typically 
if a tick is on you for more than 24 hours, then you're really at risk of having whatever viruses or bacteria were in that tick in you also. And so if you can get, you know, after you're in the field, if you can do a tick check, if you can get them off, you're probably going to be okay if you do it immediately. But once you pass that 24 hour mark, then it gets pretty sketchy as to whatever that tick had, you now have also. And you know what, Tim, those bigger ones, you can feel them crawling and you know when yeah. you got them. It's the seed ticks that, that are the ones that oh. are deadly. You know, as you get older and, and I'm going to say past the age of 45 and you have to start using reading glasses to, to see or to read, those seed ticks become uh, increasingly more difficult to detect. I mean, they can be on you and you don't know it until you start feeling them itch or, or bite you. So by the time you realize you got one, it's almost too late. That's I can't thing. read. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mark, poor ticks. Mark. And, and the seed ticks, if you guys have ever seen a nest of seed ticks in oh, the Marty. wild, they hang out on the edge of blades of grass yes. or a little branch, someplace that is, you know, yes. especially along a trail where you would brush up against them. And there are literally thousands in this clump. And it looks like a smudge of dirt or mud on you, but then you look closer and it's all moving and they're, they're all heading yeah. north. And hey, look- for what it's worth, I keep an extra set of doe dragging clothes or deer dragging clothes in the buggy yeah. that are that are drenched in permethrin. And uh, if and when we shoot a doe, particularly early season, until we start getting a few frosts, I'll, I'll keep them in the buggy and slip those on and a pair of boots that are soaked in it, a shirt so that we can go drag a doe out. And I don't have to worry so much about uh, getting all those ticks on me. So and that's probably a good point to make that if folks are not using uh, a permethrin-based insecticide on their gear. Now, permethrin only works on clothing and gear. It, From what I understand, chemically, it kind of falls apart in the oils and that are on your skin. So it's not like an off where you just... You know, something with DEET that you spray on your skin. You're not supposed to put it on your skin at all. You're spo- yeah, you're not supposed to. Um, but uh, but permethrin is great for treating your socks and boots and pants. I was in the bow shop yesterday and um, there's an old timer in there talking to Mike, the, the owner of the bow shop. And they were talking about t- how bad the ticks were this year. Just yeah. kind of I walked in on the conversation and the guy says, yeah, I put I put permethrin on my dog and, and Mike and I looked at each other. He's like, you can do that. He goes, you can't put it on a cat. It, it kills their nervous central nervous Holy system, heck. but dogs, it's okay. And I'm thinking <laughs> he's going to be having it, a funeral. It, but for then he Fido. goes, he, he, he killed over the next day, but he goes, he was fine that day. I he used was blind. Yes. Yeah, so he, he made a joke about it, but I was like, <laughs> he goes, no, read the, you can read the, huh. read the back of the, I, so don't do that. You yeah, use frontline. Frontline is specifically for pets. <laughs> yeah. He puts on his dog. <laughs> Poor thing. Uh, Mark uses some, something more uh, natural. What is that stuff that Mark always uses during the spring? I forgot what it's called. The, the actual manufacturer, but I've got two bottles in my, in the door of my truck. He he's likes it a lot. Yeah, it's a it's like um it's more of um like a a citrus oil. Yeah, yeah, it's got like a citrus smell to it. You know, it's some some natural way to Uh you know to to make ticks not want to get on your skin. I think one of the other things, and this might have been an old wives' tale, but a lot of the old timers used an Avon product. It was a cream that they put on their legs and their you know their waist to keep the ticks from latching on. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of different 
alternatives out there. I don't know which one's the best, but <laughs> all the above, the stuff you know, that- we go to the nth degree. I do now trying to keep them off. I just, I freak out when I see a tick and because I know what's coming. In the spring, it feels like that pre. What was it? Permethrin. Permethrin is the stuff that you know you find it at Walmart or whatever in the camping section. Sawyer's brand is Sawyer's Sawyer's is is a yellow bottle. Yeah, seems like we've had success with that. But what you know, every spring I feel like you guys, you and Mark, are like, yeah, I found you know about every other day you find a tick on you. So. Yeah, it's it's it, it's nuts, and and the the permethrin, like you'll still find ticks on you, but they're in the process of dying. Yeah, and they may even bite you, but they're they're not long for this world. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> I have this list of sixteen diseases transmitted by ticks from the CDC. You want to hear a real butt kicker? Yeah. <laughs> the tick-borne relapsing fever, or TBRF, it's uh, transmitted to humans through the bite of soft. Ticks. I've never heard that term before. I don't know what, what soft ticks are, but but it's associated with sleeping in rustic cabins and vacation homes. I think I'm gonna throw up. I would. <laughs> or the the one that, that gives you the alpha gal syndrome that pretty much yeah. makes it difficult for you to digest red uh, the proteins that are in red meat. I got diarrhea. It will give it will give you that. 100 <laughs> percent So you got these deer hunters that are out chasing red meat and they can't eat the thing that they've killed because I think, it makes them so sick. I think that's like PETA's I think that's something they, they engineered it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, let's get these guys good. It's very ironic. <laughs> it is ironic. That 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 this thing attacks you in that way. But yeah. but it, but it is dangerous. But and 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 there are new tick-borne illnesses that are being discovered all the time. That's that's the crazy thing. We don't know. We you know. So there are sixteen here, and th- things are changing, and we're get we're finding out that that okay, this the, the Lone Star take now carries this also. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's like a a, a bio warfare almost. It's it's ever evolving. Um, well, we'll see if Terry can get all of them and see how long he makes it. Huh? The good news is Terry. <laughs> If he could be immune to it. Uh, if anybody can be, it's what's going through his blood. I think Terry will never get COVID. <laughs> Don't say because him <laughs> because he's a carrier for Rocky Mountain spotted fever. You well, can- again, for those people that that have all those aches and pains and they think it's crippling arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis should really have blood work done and check for limes and or spotted fever uh, because you you may have it and not know it and you might have been you know, have carried it for many, many years. So, and all it takes is one tick to bite you again and, and flare it up, you know, and that's kind of what I've went through this past year and every year, you know, for the last 25, not knowing what it was. So, and then once it, once the damage is done, it's kind of too little, too late where you really, really have to be cautious about getting them off quickly and and preventing them to begin with. So, you know, I'd advise everyone to, to the stick of a needle is pretty, pretty small comparison to the pain you go through if you got it. Yep. Our buddy, Billy Cooper, DeerCast senior writer, uh, yeah, just suffered through a bout of Rocky Mountain spotted fever. I saw uh, that. That was last year. He said he wanted to die. Like it was just that bad. He nursed himself back to health with 
quinine water. He's an old Korean war vet. I mean, he's, they don't get much tougher than Billy. I don't suggest doing that, but, uh, but th- there are some old home remedies that people put into play when they, when they have that. I knew a guy that had ehrlichiosis. That's another tick borne illness. He got it because of a tick. And he said, I, I thought I was going to die and I would have preferred to died. It's just hard to imagine. And Terry, obviously you can, because you've been there every joint in your body screaming out it's just it's just un, unbelievable almost well it hurts to walk it hurts to to move your hands it hurts to it just everything on you hurts and you deal with it and you and you think okay what you know i i, I never have ever wanted to take like pain meds or anything like i have to really be sick to take an aspirin and you get to the point where you have to because of the pain so uh, again if it's someone out there that wasn't sure whether or not they've got it, I'd highly advise them to go get a, you know, blood work done and, and have it specifically looked at. Mm-hmm. And if you've got it, then you can get on an antibiotic to help you a little bit. But uh, if it's not too little, too late, but uh, doxycycline, I think, is the name of the antibiotic that, that they use for, for much of it. So what else do you guys do to avoid ticks? Stay in this office. Okay. It's a good one. <laughs> Never see the daylight. You know, Tim, I'm to the point when I walk through, you know, buck brush or something, I'll bend it over with my foot first Heck yeah. in lieu of letting it drag up against my pants or my waist or whatever. I'm really weird about walking through the timber anymore. Uh, but you have to be because all it takes is one little bitty seed tick to to screw you up, even carrying turkeys over your back. Have you ever seen that in the spring yes. where you got ticks on you after you've had a turkey on your back? I do you know? it. I do it quick. <laughs> or doing an interview behind a deer after uh-huh. you, you know, the deer's expired. All of a sudden there's ticks crawling off of the deer and onto you. Yeah. They know so, that thing is dead. They know it's dead. The blood quit flowing. So, you know, I really, really am careful and I watch for them because I, I can't stand them. I absolutely, that, that article that you were talking about the other day, I don't remember. Did Jeremy write that or who wrote that one? Uh, I think it was Ryan? Jeremy. Yeah, it was Jeremy. It was Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how many ticks the possums eat. Well, I have taken a whole new outlook on <laughs> possums. You know, I never was a real big possum, possum fan, management. but if they eat 5,000 ticks a day, I'll let every one of them walk around and, I think and that, chew them up. Was that a day? I think that was over the course of a year. Was that what it was? It's, it, it was a lot of ticks, though. Fake news, Terry. How can you find 5,000 ticks a day anyway? (laughs) I don't know. Um, Tucking your your clothing in is another way of keeping ticks on the outside of you as opposed to, you know, tucking your shirt. Even even tucking your boot, like, you know, from way back in the day when I was little, I remember Mark and Terry always tucking their pants into their lacrosse boots. Yeah. And I just kind of did a habit after that, but it makes sense. From a standpoint of it's a lot easier to spray those boots down and keep them sprayed all the time Heck and yeah. things not getting on your pants legs and going up mm-hmm. from there, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wearing light colored clothing so you can you can see the ticks a little right. easier when they're right. on you. As I'm walking through the uh, tick areas, I'll stop every maybe 20, 30 feet and just look to see what I got yes. going on and then then move on. Isn't it amazing how many of them you catch doing that? Oh, it's it's un, it's incredible. Grant Woods did a piece on growing deer TV was maybe last year, and he took a you know it was just a um, maybe a light color piece of gorilla tape or you know duct tape or whatever, mm-hmm. and he just put it around his hand, sticky side out, and 
padded down his pants leg during the spring or somewhere. And it was freaking amazing how many ticks that they had on their clothing. Yeah. It was freaking nuts. It was, I mean, oh. it was gross. You're like, oh man. Which duct tape happens to be my my favorite way of getting seed ticks off when, yeah. you, when you're just smeared. Cause like there have been times where I've been into a, a, a mess of seed ticks and you don't realize it until your ankles start to feel like they're on fire. You look down, well, you're, you're being bit thousands and thousands of times and there's no way to individually pull them off. So you take a, some duct tape and just start pulling them off and it's you got him. <laughs> How many people are sitting right now listening to this and they're just crawling? Like they're itching and phantom ticks all over them. Well, ironically enough, you talk about, you know, your ankles and stuff. If you have on, you know, socks and or let's say a cotton type of, of jean, they get down in the, you know, between the weave of, of those that clothing. You can yeah. see them literally disappear. Yeah. They, so infiltrate. they can walk right through it, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I think we've established that tick-borne illnesses are real. There's a lot of them. The 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 dangers of getting them are are pretty serious, and they can impact your time of field. Like even if you even if you think like, well, I, I could deal with being sick for a few weeks. What if that happens right before you know late October? So it knocks you out of the woods for a few weeks. You can't that. draw your bow back. Yeah, that's so bad. Yeah, suddenly things get real serious, and then to have ongoing side effects of that throughout the rest of your life. Yeah. That's just, if you can avoid it, absolutely do. All right. Moving on. Question of the day Let's time. All right. Question of the day is probably brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Your adventure starts here. What's up, guys? I have a question about trail cameras. What would be some of your best tips on during season uh, getting into some of those remote locations and and getting the MRI off your cameras, uh, not to not to bump too many deer, anything like that. Uh, I know nothing's bulletproof, but what's some things you guys look for? Maybe uh, a time of day or uh, or a weather front that's that's favorable for low deer movement. That's that's going to give you a little bit of time to slip into a place, check a camera, and get out of there undetected. Hope to hear from you guys soon. Thanks. Thanks, Justin, for leaving the question. If you want to leave the question, just go to the show notes and click the uh, the hyperlink. It'll take you right to the Jury Outdoors um, 100% Wild podcast page. Leave your question, your name, your location, and be as brief as possible. And I'm really curious, Terry, what you have to say about this, because I know I struggle with wanting to get that MRI, the most recent information, off my cameras, but I also don't want to do more harm than good going in there. Well, and that's a good question. We appreciate him asking it because it's it's one of those things. It's like Christmas when you get those pictures. Now you're dying to see these bucks in velvet and see what they look like. You know who showed up, who made it through, and and uh, so on and so forth. And you know, I like to this time of year. I like to put them where they're they're fairly easily accessible. And we pick days where maybe it is a little windier than normal. Uh, usually midday when they're not up necessarily on their feet. And one of the things that you notice during the summer months, they're uh, a little more inclined to stay put. You know, it takes a little bit more to push them out of their bed where they'll tolerate a little more. But it's a matter of walking pretty swiftly to your spot, getting your work done and, and moving right back out and doing it on the right wind. 
So I wouldn't advise going in there on a day, you know, if it's a south wind spot and you're in there on a north wind, it's probably not advisable. And I understand what he's saying because, you know, they've only got weekends to where they can go and check these cameras. So if, you know, if and when the time comes that he don't have the right wind, sometimes you're forced to do it and you have to bite the bullet. But again, they'll stay put a little longer than normal during these summer months. And they're a little more tolerant uh, when they're in velvet than they are when they're hard harm. So uh, biting the bullet is is kind of the, the lesser of two evils, if, if you will. And sometimes you just got to go in there and do it. But if you've got it at a location where you can do very, very little noise, very little damage, you know, and it might be a logging road, might be on the edge of a logging road, might be a creek. Sometimes you can walk right up the uh, the belly of a creek, mm-hmm. you know, that's fairly dry or put on, you know, waders or boots or something to get in there and get out. If you got to go down the creek to get into a little drainage or a flat or a bottom or something, uh, it's about a, a matter of looking at different uh, access points as well. With that said, with the development of technology and the way times have changed, now with the cell cameras, you don't have to do any of that. Meaning if you once get it set up and you have service uh, because the information comes back as to what the battery life is, uh, what kind of type of transmission you have, you can set it up on a plan and get emails sent to you uh, at the uh, privacy of your own home and you don't have to do the intrusion. Now, you know, sometimes those things aren't quite affordable, but if you can afford one system or one setup, mm-hmm. uh, then the information is is well worth it. I, d- I do know that we're getting information from over in Illinois in, in the Missouri farm there where every day we're looking at different pictures. And boy, oh boy, I'll tell you, it's it is game changers. I, I kid you not uh, watching a deer go to bed or watching regularity coming in and out of a trail or in and out of a roadway or a gap in a fence. Uh, priceless, priceless information. So technology will assist you to a certain extent, mm-hmm. you know, if you can afford to uh, to do the plans that they have and so on and so forth, which there's many different plans uh, as far as the payment options are concerned. Some of them have a specific number of pictures that that they will uh, send you. Some of them are unlimited, but the plans obviously are different, different pay schedules. But uh, good question on Justin's part. You know, bite the bullet if you have to during these summer months because they'll tolerate a little more. Uh, try and do it on the right, right wind midday. And if that doesn't work or if you have the opportunity to and can afford some of the cell cameras and you have service, by all means, that's the way to go nowadays. And, and they're continuing to improve those on a pretty regular basis. No fiddle farting around in the woods. Mm. Do not off. fiddle fart. That's right. Clip that <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's you know, you pretty much covered covered everything that I would say there. I mean, you know, at this point, I think you, even that article that was in Deercast earlier today about intrusion. I mean, I, I think everybody you know knows that the more you're in there, the less chances you are seeing mm-hmm. a mature deer, and the less chances you're, you're you have of seeing them in daylight, which is obviously when we all you know hope to, to have that opportunity. So yeah. much as you can stay out, you can. I I mean, when we're in there right now, like well, once we do put our cameras out, it'll be two or three weeks before we check them again. 
again yeah. you know, and, and try to check them very rarely. The cell sure. cameras obviously can help you. I don't have service on, on my farm, so that's not really an option, but there are other systems out there that you can implement other trail cam systems where you don't need service, you know, yeah. and, and you can put them out there and, and, and just pull one card and, and have all the stuff. So yeah, it's, there's so a lot of options out there. Some are Wi-Fi enabled that allow you yeah. to get within maybe 60 yards or so and you know your phone or your tablet starts picking up the Wi-Fi signal from yeah. the unit, and so you don't have to go exactly right to the tree and, yeah. and check your check your trail cams. Also, you know, here's kind of a deer cast inverted pro tip, but look at your deer cast, look to see when there's going to be bad movement, and yeah. use those as your go times for checking trail cams. <laughs> Newsflash: that's when it's the hottest. So <laughs> <laughs> right, it's going to suck for you. <laughs> Ticks are going to be thick, but someone's got to feed those things. Yeah. Tim, that is a great point. It really is. I've never heard it put that way. That is that a, audio? a really, really valid point. When deer cast says poor or bad, and you would normally not be hunting, that is the time to check your trail, trail cameras because they're going to stay put pretty tight. And it might be a barometer issue or a front moving in or something. And uh, they're they're just going to stay in their beds, which we were talking about biting the bullet. You don't want to do it, but sometimes you have to. I will say this time of year when you're getting velvet information, uh, once they go hard horn, that information can change like day and night because they've been doing something with regularity and velvet doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be doing that, that same thing. Once they go hard horn, you, they may drop off the base of your cameras, believe it or not, Basically, or you may pick up a different bug. Forget what you know. Although Justin kind of sounded like he might be from, you know, further down south. What makes you say that? Well, he sounded like Jeez. a mix of Louis Payne and Adam Wainwright. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my, my gut is he might actually have an opportunity to velvet. You know, to, Good, to hunt, yeah. if he's in Kentucky or anything like that, you might have an opportunity to hunt him while they're in velvet and still be on those same patterns. But I just, from personal experience, I I get real excited. You know, late August, early September, and then <laughs> exactly, you That's know, my I, own sound effects. Yeah, I don't. You don't. Literally, the cameras seem to just shut off on you, and you're like. Well, shit, did they move away totally? Where where are they at? And mm-hmm. they usually don't pop back up for me until totally late September, early October. Yeah. So, you know, it's all the greatest plans are, you know, it's awesome to have them going into it. A kill on day one. Yeah, but I'm, it's nice. just very rare for that pattern to stay the same. But, you know, but they're all batched up. They're all, you know, it's easier to get a bunch of them on. If you can put out supplements, it's easy to get them. Yeah. What you feel like a, a pattern going, but in all reality, it's it's a whole different Take story. with a grain of salt. Yeah. Once the season starts. Mm. Well, you boys ready for the wildlife word? Woo-hoo! I am. All right. Terry, you locked and loaded? I be more ready. <laughs> All right. I felt like that was not genuine. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> Today's wildlife word is hypostome. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. What was it? <laughs> hypostome. Spell H- that. Will you please use it in a sentence? Right. H-Y-P-O-S-T-O-M-E. Hypostome. It sounds like something out of the Avengers Infinity War. That's exactly... <laughs> Did you read hey, this before? I was hypo stoned in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> Clip that off. <laughs> See how that works. <laughs> what is a hypostome? So is it a the barbed mouth part of a tick that's injected into a host to suck blood? Is it a type of kidney? This is B. Is it a type of kidney stone found only in whitetails, and they happen to look like Cheerios? 
C, the term for a desiccated tick that's still attached to its host. Or D, a punk rock group from the 1980s out of Colgate, New York. Terry, go ahead. He looks like he's Googling over there. No, somebody's trying to call me. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't care that much about this. In fact, he didn't hear Hold C on. or D. I got to call guys. Stand by. It was nice talking. <laughs> read those again, Tim. Oh, man. I can't read. <laughs> is, is the hypostome... <laughs> A barbed mouth part of a tick that's injected into a host to suck the blood. B, a type of kidney stone found only in whitetails that also look like Cheerios. C, the term for a desiccated tick that's still attached to its host. Or D, a punk rock group for the 1980s out of Colgate, New York. Terry? I'm going to say C. The term for a desiccated tick still attached to its host. I was going to go with A. A is correct. It is like a picture, like a straw. Applaud. With a bunch. <laughs> it's not doing anything. There you go. We're not. It's picture like a straw with a bunch of barbs kind of pointing backwards that they plunge into your skin. And that's what they use to suck your blood. Okay, Matt, did you actually see the answer? No, or? no, I didn't cheat. I mean, I know that's what you're accustomed to with me, but that is... It's weird that you got something right. It, <laughs> that's kind of what he's saying. <laughs> uh, hey, you didn't fail. hey <laughs> Good guess. I'm hitting close to home. I would have put a sound bite, but I don't find that funny. <laughs> that, that makes me feel really bad, like genuinely bad. Huge. So, <laughs> so that's your wildlife word, hypostone. We should do like a roundup of wildlife words. Maybe we'll do a super cut at the end of the year. Yeah, that should get lots of listens. Well, at least 30. At least mm-hmm. three. So you guys are officially educated now. All right. I'll try to forget it as soon as we turn this podcast off. All right. Well, um, gosh, what do we got coming up here? Um, hunting season. Hunting season. <laughs> Just surviving well, the hey, heat of summer. Okay, listen. All the TV shows are running right now. I'm going to do a shameless plug. They're Please really... Do. I mean, look, th- there's a lot of good content hitting the Outdoor Channel right now. Listen to me. Listen. <laughs> look here. I have news to share. No, it's really good stuff. Mark and I proof them every week. Terry may or may not see them until they air, or even not then. <laughs> but, Another reason to tune in. He, he's always pleasantly surprised, aren't you, Terry? <laughs> That wasn't half bad. But hey, it's good content. It airs like every day of the week, it feels like. So it's hard to miss them. Everybody's got DVR Mm -hmm. now. So just DVR at 13, Critical Mass, Bow Madness, Natural Born over on Sportsman's Channel. Uh, Some quality content hitting the TV waves right now. The other thing... The other thing is we've got our buddy Levi Morgan in DeerCast. Big news. Man, I am so excited about that. I, so when I walked into the bow shop yesterday, it's the first thing they mentioned to me. Oh, yeah? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were excited about it. Yeah. Pumped to see him in there. And then, of course, I think it's no coincidence. He then went and won the second leg of the yeah. Triple Crown uh, the, the next day or two days later. It's incredible so. how he dominates. And and if, you, if you're listening to the show right now, go back. And listen to the the episode where we had him on. I'd, I'll, I'll I'll link it in the notes. Terry should because it's about uh, target panic. <laughs> 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 One 
wasn't uh, didn't he win that with the last arrow? If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, reading his caption on on his Instagram page, like, dude, he totally he's feeling sorry for himself. It's <laughs> raining, he's you know, he's wet, he's cold, blah, blah, blah. And boom, he's like, screw it. He takes off the rain gear, he's he's dialing in. And he's like, quit feeling sorry for myself. I'm just going to do it. And the, the dude just comes back and <laughs> wins. Like Babe Ruth calling the shot. Yeah, he's pretty unbelievable. He really is. His, it, it couldn't be a nicer guy, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. Su- super humble and very realistic. His tip about if you if you come to full draw and something doesn't feel right, like your sight picture isn't quite right or, or something is off, just let down. That's That just totally changed my perspective because for some reason, and I know a lot of guys feel this way, when you come to full draw, you, you feel like you're committed to shoot. That's not the case. Let down, regroup, and try it again. Depends what bow I'm shooting because if I let down, sometimes I feel like my <laughs> about to pull my shoulder out of my side. Yeah, yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> I know the feeling. But man, that podcast was awesome. So, yeah. so with his with his presence in Deercast, I just I can't imagine all the great the great shooting content we're going to get there to make people better archers. Well, he does a video piece on his own content all the time. Bow life. Yeah, bow life and he's got tips basically. I mean, it's invaluable information. Mm-hmm. Even for us mere mortals. That's right. So, check it out in Deercast. Terry, I'll send you a link to that TV. Uh, podcast episode. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what we need. We need more Levi's in our sport. He is great for our industry, great for our sport. Represents all of us quite well. He's an ambassador, so can't say enough good things about him. Heck yeah! Oh, right. he's so handsome. Look- oh, that's so true. He's a dreamboat. <laughs> that's right. Well, from these three dreamboats, thank you everyone for watching. Or listening, <laughs> if you stuck with us this far. <laughs> I mean, I, down by the day right there. I'm yeah. so sorry for everybody listening to this. But, <laughs> but you're smiling this, while you're dude, saying it. I, I've had more fun in the last two podcasts since we, we've done this thing. It's, we're, I'm finally interested in the product we're, we're offering. <laughs> we are doing the show for ourselves. <laughs> That's right. That's really the case if here. You seem to tune in. Thanks. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Having fun. <laughs> Thanks for watching, listening, everybody. We appreciate it. If you want to ask a question, make sure to click that link in the show notes. All right. Till next time. Peace out, Terry. We'll see you next time we see you, whenever that may be. See you guys. All right. Peace out. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye, everybody. Be safe. <laughs> Kind of partially your fault, Terry. I mean, this is you suck, Matt. <laughs> Clip that off. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I have fun. <laughs> you got to, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>